0: Passover 2023 is entitled, Calling Israel Under the Blood of Christ as the Death Angel Passes Over America. It would seem, by all account, that beginning in March 2020, the year, that up until now and right on into this new month of April... THAT A DEATH ANGEL HAS BEEN PASSING OVER AMERICA. Yes, sir. I HOPE THAT'S NOT A PRIVATE OPINION. No. I BELIEVE THAT WE ARE A NATION UNDER JUDGMENT, right. AND AS BAD AS I WANT TO ADMIT IT, SOMETIMES, AND THE BIBLE IS VERY con- CONFIRMING OF THIS, GOD TAKES THE SWORD OF THE WICKED bring his covenant people back where he wants them Amen. in exodus 12 i'd like to visit for just a few moments on the idea that as a covenant body of believers we are bought with a price and the price paid for our sin debt was the greatest price ever paid for any event in all of human history, it required uncreated God to take on the seed of Abraham, to become a kinsman redeemer, to save the people that He purposed to save from before the foundation of the world. In Exodus chapter number 12, we read in verse 4 where every household was to Take a lamb, or join with his neighbor in taking a lamb. In verse number 5, we learn that the lamb was to be without blemish, a male of the first year. In verse number 6, we are told that the lamb was to be brought forth on the 14th day of the same month, the first month, of the Biblical year, and the whole assembly would join together in the sacrifice of the Lamb. Then they were to take in verse 7 the blood and strike it on the two post, side posts and on the upper door post where they were to eat the Passover. This is the first prefiguring of what we now call the cross. Wonderful symbolism stirring us right here in this chapter of Exodus. And every Israelite on the night of the Passover, of course, was encouraged in verse 11 to eat the Passover in haste. It's called the Lord's Passover, Because it is His feast, we are the invited guests, and may He look down from heaven tonight and be pleased with our presence, I pray. In verse 12, the Israelites were told that the last plague would be the smiting of all the firstborn, both of man and beast in the land of Egypt. And against all the gods of Egypt, he would execute judgment. I am Jehovah. I believe that we are watching the execution of some of the gods that are worshipped in America today. And that would require a lesson all of its own. In verse 13, the promise, the promises made when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, it is my humble opinion that the blood of Christ preserved a lot of people during the pandemic the that was planned for us. And those who resisted the injection resisted because they had the fortitude, intelligence, and wisdom imparted by God to know not to take an experimental injection of poison into God's property, your body. Reading on, on the 14th verse, this day, the 14th of Abib, shall be unto you for memorial. Ye shall keep it a a feast to the Lord throughout your generations ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. You'll notice that is repeated in verse 17, and it is repeated in verse 24, just in case we didn't get it the first, second time, it's repeated. So this is a very significant moment in time for all of us, beloved, and we are so humbled to share these moments With this entire congregation here and assembled uh, this evening. We want each of you to know how dear you are and how grateful we are for your company and your presence. Like for the congregation to ask the question now on that night of the Passover, on the Exodus out of Egypt, every household had to have the blood. In order for the death angel to pass over and we may not realize the significance of what we're doing here tonight nearly as much as we ought to unless we remember that the blood of the lamb will be your greatest and most significant protection in days to come so we need to keep under the blood of the lamb by all means and this is when we make a formal effort to do so on passover 14th of the month of abib first month of the calendar year and today on this day the 14th day is the day that we ought to be applying the blood this is the day that put the door the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your heart your mind your body your being so with that in mind beloved ask yourselves the question What is the price that was paid for our salvation? Think of it this way. How much did it cost you and I to have the gift of salvation? For by grace ye are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. But that gift did not come without a cost for the God who gave it to us. It came as a gift to us through the meritorious goodness of God, but it did not come without a cost to the Lamb of God who hung at Calvary. If you'll open your Bible to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter number 13 for a moment, I'd like for the congregation to remember that in the fifth of the mystery parables of Matthew 13, Our Lord Jesus Christ made one statement about something very significant that has to do with how much He would pay, the price that He would pay for His people. In Matthew 13, 44, in the words of Jesus, again the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, treasure hid in a field, the which when when a man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. The price, of course, is the concern we have now. The price that will be paid for the field where the treasure is hidden. Now, typically, very typically in the ordinary commentaries of the Western world, this parable runs into trouble real quickly, because they ordinarily, typically, would have the buyer of the field to be a sinner seeking Christ. But that interpretation has no validity when you apply it to the reality of the Bible and of life. Think about that. We know that the field in verse 38 of the Bible you're reading from, Matthew 13, 38, defines the field as being the world. So the field is the world where the treasure is hid. Are we all squared away on that? Okay, we're in agreement. Now typically we know that a sinner does not buy, but forsakes the world to win Christ. Nowhere in the Bible does a sinner buy the world out of which God is calling him. Number three, the sinner that's being saved has nothing to sell. He has nothing to sell. Didn't, our salvation, we didn't sell anything except our devotion to Christ. And we could also say, neither is Christ for sale, nor is Christ hidden in a field, nor having found Christ, do we go and hide Him again. So at every point this typical commentary interpretation breaks down, and it's little wonder that many, many people find it so difficult to attend churches in mainstream America. We know that Jesus is the buyer of the field. He bought the field. He's the man of the, he's the buyer of this treasure at the sacrificial cost of his very blood. And I love the way the Apostle Peter says it in 1 Peter Chapter number one, and I'd like to read that from First Peter chapter number one. Reading now from First Peter one, eighteen. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot those are beautiful words and they tell us at what price Christ bought our salvation like to also read into the record from 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 these words which i think are very appropriate I'm at 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. What we're talking about now, we're asking the question, what price was paid for our salvation? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. That's why no believer, no Christian believer, had any legitimate right to surrender their body to a poison experimental vaccine or injection, because it's not our body. If we have been redeemed, we are owned by the person who bought us out of slavery." out of the death sentence of sin, and that was our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 20, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And that's the reason God-fearing, Bible-believing, blood-washed, sin-filled, devil-hating Israelites do not, do not take drugs. They do not have a legitimate right to put anything poison into their, into the king's body. Now we know, beloved, when we look at this closely, the parable I speak of now, we know that Jesus bought the field so that he would have the treasure. Now there's a theological implication here that is pretty severely uh, rendered here in Scripture. And that is to say that Jesus did not come to save the world. If He came to save all the people of the world, He's miserably failed at every generation. But I don't think He came to save the world. He bought the field where the treasure was has nothing to do with the people of what we call the world so to speak it has to do with the created world in which the kingdom will one day be set up it has to do with the people found in the treasure the field was bought to find the treasure he didn't buy the field for the field without the treasure in mind. And that's why he bought the field. Now that's a very important point that we need to make. So the treasure that was hidden in that field, the Bible tells us it's not speculation. It's not human opinion about the identification of the treasure. The treasure is Israel. Psalm 135, verse 4, for the Lord God hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. Exodus nineteen five. If ye sh- will obey my covenant indeed, then ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, ye shall be unto me a peculiar treasure above all the people that are upon the earth. I'm glad that I didn't write the Bible and you didn't either. And the world hates the Word of God today because it doesn't fit with their insane ideas. Christ saved and bought the treasure hidden in the field, and He came to find that treasure. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, speaking to Israel, God said, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee, chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Now that is a very significant statement, people. And I know that the hate white generation of our time in history would literally despise the idea of that verse. That's the reason the Bible is becoming classified as hate language. God made a choice. He made it before the foundation of the world. God made the choice. You and I did not make the choice. We didn't make that uh, choice at all. It's not ours. Amos, the prophet, says speaking of Israel, you only have I known of all the people on the earth, and therefore I'm going to judge you accordingly. So the Bible then is very clear on this, and we know that in Deuteronomy 14, the Bible clearly says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself, above all the nations upon the earth. Those kind of verses can be just read ad, infin- ad infinitely in through Scripture, so I won't read any more on that. But let me just summarize by saying tonight, beloved, that you and I have above all other people our whole covenant family all across America and across the other nations of the Western world, we share in something that is monumental, and that is we have a Savior that is keeping His promise to His people, and do we ever need that promise in our generation? So in summary here, let me ask for this congregation to have just a quiet moment of reflection on the price paid for our salvation. The wonderful Savior who redeemed us from our sin. I don't know a better way to emphasize this than to remind us that sin entered into the world through a snake bite. The serpent injected poisonous venom into a woman named Eve. If I have read the book of Genesis chapter 3 correctly, I believe the party that entered into the garden is called a serpent. And I believe that he brought a woman down, and shortly thereafter, Eve introduced that venom to her husband. So I would like for the congregation for just a moment to reflect on something that happened to our ancestors out in the Sinai Desert, if you'll turn to Numbers chapter number 21. In Numbers chapter 21, rest easy, we're about done. In Numbers 21, I'm in verse number 5, Numbers 21, 5, the people spake against Moses, against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread, this angel food you give us. And the Lord Jehovah sent fiery serpents. Whoa! Incidentally, these are vipers, these are poisonous among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died of snakebite. Wherefore the people came to Moses and said, Hey, yeah, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the God Almighty and against thee. Pray, pray, Moses, pray for us. Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents. Get rid of these poisonous vipers Moses and Moses prayed for the people now the way that Moses was to deliver the people is kind of an unusual thought so what watch verse 8 the Bible incidentally is an interesting book to read and the Lord said unto Moses make a fiery serpent Set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass. Brass is a symbol of judgment. And put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, He lived. Now, I think all of us would have to acknowledge that this is a pretty strange antidote for snake bite. Look into a serpent on a brazen pole. Look at that serpent, and that poison venom will not kill you. Look at this serpent, and you will live. Now, we're pretty grown up tonight. Most of us are able to discern things that are very important. Centuries later, the Lord Jesus Christ, in talking to His disciples in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of love, in John chapter number 3, verse 14, Jesus said, and as moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so the son of man must be lifted up that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have eternal life for god so loved the world that field that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, the whosoever is among that treasure of people we talked about earlier, that believed on Jesus Christ, the everlasting Son of God, where everlasting life comes. Now, I would like for this congregation to think for a moment We are passing through a very serious moment in American history. The whole world is passing through. When I say the whole world, I mean every Israelite nation under heaven. Wouldn't matter whether you lived in Australia, New Zealand. Wouldn't matter whether you were in any country of Europe. This whole covenant body of people called Israel is in the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jacob is in trouble. Esau is breathing down his neck. And the promise of the Scripture is that the yoke of Esau will be broken, but not before Jacob is threshed in a woodshed, in a manner of speaking. So in retrospect tonight, beloved, we would do ourselves a big favor if we would momentarily, just momentarily, in our mind, our souls, take a moment and travel to Mount Calvary. And when we look at that cross upon which Christ was impaled, that cross is the only remedy for the snake bite of the serpent in Genesis 3. And that cross is the only remedy that will heal families, heal broken hearts, heal sickness, heal disease, and bring about spiritual transformation of God's people. It's at Calvary. Looking into the face of Christ, not a brass serpent in the wilderness, as ancient Israel did, but looking into the one, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And God tells us all, look into the face of the one who died to save you. Look into the face. Look, look hard, because you will find the remedy for every care and every sin and every obstruction that stands between you and your God. And if we want to make things right with God, and I pray that we would want to make things right with God as we come to the prayer rail for communion.